welcome to Bloody Mary, a podcast about horror movies and what they mean to us. I'm your host, Kristen Lighty, and tonight we have with us, I'm so excited, she's a comedian, she's a writer and director of horror, it's Shannon Brown. Hello. Hey, Shannon. Uh, I'm really pleased to have you on tonight, especially from our mutual friend, Virginia. Shout out to past guest of the podcast. Yeah, Virginia Jones. I was just listening to her episode a little while ago. It was uh, great and have to agree with her. Your intro music is great. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I will take all the credit for Slant 6. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so Teenage Riot Girl Me would be so ashamed of me because I bought tickets to go see Bikini Kill, and then they rescheduled year after year after year mm-hmm. because of the pandemic. But now they're playing on a Wednesday, two hours away from me, and I'm like, I just... <laughs> I can't do it on a school night, you know, and uh, <laughs> no, I feel you something very similar happened to me when I was a teenager. I like wasn't allowed to go to shows and stuff. And I listened like I was very like obedient as a kid. And now as an adult, I mean, I was like a big emo person and like I still am. It's all the bands <laughs> that I loved in high school. I still love. So now I get to pay exorbitant amounts of money to go see the same people I could have paid like $10 to go see when I was in high school. But the same thing happened with My Chemical Romance. They were doing their big, huge tour and it kept getting put off. And I forget, I think that one might have been on like a weekend, but it still was hard. Like my friends, like we all met at my place, not to pregame, but we were packing like, okay, you take an allergy pill, you bring a modium <laughs> just in case. Um, here, do who wants to like do a pre-Tylenol? And then we're like waiting to leave the house. None of us drank. And we're just like, oh my God, this is entirely too late. After work, we're expected to go to this and have fun. It was a blast, though. It was very cool. But it was difficult. (laughs) I'm glad you had fun. I'm hoping that day will roll around and I'll rally and I'll Mm -hmm. be there and I'll love it. But I know, I know 42-year-old me will not love it the next day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So Shannon, why don't you tell the people a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm a writer and director and I pretty much special I don't know specialize focus in uh like horror and comedy um I started out doing comedy I told you earlier I don't know the number I think it was 12 or 13 years ago I was I, yeah. a I also, young little you know, child <laughs> post-pandemic time has no meaning so whatever you want it to be that's what it is <laughs> yeah yeah I, I oh I'm a very seasoned comedian yeah very experienced mm-hmm. yeah I'd been doing comedy for a little while um and a lot of the comedy that I, I came up doing comedy in Philly and a lot of that kind of skews dark and it, it didn't really I don't know it's interesting like audience reception in California in Los Angeles was much different than like East Coast where I think that humor is uh much more appreciated not that it went poorly here but it was just like an interesting difference I want to say maybe six or seven years ago at this point I started getting into horror movies and um you know I've always loved like Halloween and like spooky things and like you know spooky ambiance things like that but I was always too scared to watch horror movies um but then once I started watching them I was like oh maybe I could take a swing at making like a horror sketch because at that point I'd really only done like sketch and improv and like dabbled in stand-up um but I was like okay maybe I'll do horror sketches but like in hindsight that's just like short filmmaking (laughs) they weren't sketches at all but you know I started doing that and I really enjoy it. So now I'm, you know, still trucking along. I had a short Demon Juice that did festivals. What year is this? Last year. Um, and it's streaming now on YouTube with Scream Fest and it's on Troma Now. And I am so close to finishing pre- uh, post-production on my upcoming short overnights that one is about a vet tech who um it's just kind of like is she hallucinating is she seeing things that are kind of uh you know weighing on her mind that pertain to her field and where she's at in her life right now 
And uh, yeah, just trying to keep trucking with writing and working on a feature and trying to get into any sort of program that might uh, help further me along as someone who didn't go to film school, couldn't afford film school, and currently cannot afford film school. (laughs) Um, But I also don't think you need that. You know, I think a lot of things that I've learned in comedy, like, of course, courses and things like that have been extremely helpful. But I learn by doing. And I think that's also like the most fun is by, you know, going out and putting up sketches or doing like open mics with your friends, getting friends together to shoot your sketches or shorts, kind of seeing what you can do with what you have currently. Yeah, I I follow that spirit as well. I'm a very hands-on type person. I was curious though, you said six or seven years ago, you got into horror. What was Mm -hmm. that? What was the the moment? (laughs) I started dating a new boy (laughs) and he was like, it was funny. He was like, at that point I was like, oh, he's like super into horror, like a real freaking weirdo, but he's really not. And it's, it's funny. Like I, I consume, I think, more horror content and I'm more into that, I don't know if you would call it like community, like, you know, you're just like around comedy people and then you just kind of get around like horror people. I'm like more that person. But yeah, I don't know. I Like we started dating and he started showing me like, you know, horror comedies and it's very embarrassing now. It's embarrassing all the time, but it's very funny when we started dating, um, you know, we watched uh, Returning the Living Dead and I thought that was great. And then he was like, I'm going to show you Hellraiser and it's going to like be we so have such scary to show you. <laughs> yeah. And when I watched it, I was like, I mean, it's a good movie. It's not like scary to me. It is gross, but it's not like terrifying. And then he was like, I have the perfect movie for you. You should watch Scream. And because of like how I was raised with uh, two younger siblings who were like, we're all pretty close in age. We are never allowed to have horror in the house. It was never allowed to be on because like, it's too scary. Comedy only. We didn't even watch drama. Like we were a big comedy family and I didn't know what Scream was. And I was like, I will watch it, but we have to watch it during the day. Because I need enough buffer time before I go to bed to, like, you know, filter out anything that might, you know, like, right right when you're falling asleep and then, like, I don't know, your brain starts playing, like, a horrific slideshow. That happens to me a lot. So I was like, I need buffer time. Watched it and I was like, I, turns out I didn't need it. I did not need the buffer time. This is great. I love it. It's amazing. But yeah, started dating a new guy who was into it and I was like, well, maybe it's time to, like you know, face my fears, so to say, and start what like they are movies. They're not gonna harm you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So just try it out. Yeah, that's so funny. I had a very similar experience with my current boyfriend, except he showed me Pixar movies. <laughs> like, <laughs> You're making me cry and feel feelings. What's wrong with you? Yeah, like, I think that's pretty similar. Uh you know, facing uh feelings, fears. I have that too where I'm like, oh I know that's going to get me. I'm going to put that off for a little while. Yeah. The first movie we ever watched together was Up, and I was just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. this is so sad. Yeah, it hits you pretty quick, too. <laughs> They're like, we're going to start this, like, in the negative. <laughs> yeah, that first five minutes was brutal. <laughs> so, yeah, as a kid, you weren't allowed to watch horror. Um, what was the family's reasoning? Were you, was it a protective parents or religious? Yeah, or? I mean, it was kind of like a weird mix. Like we our parents were Catholic and we went to Catholic school. But like generally, like we weren't very Catholic in our day to day. Like my parents like we all curse a lot. And like, I don't know, none of us are really religious. I my sister is unique but my brother and I are not very religious (laughs) now and um yeah I think it was it was mostly just like they didn't want scared little kids because scared little kids can really put a wrench in your daily schedule trying to sleep at night those types of things um and we're all extremely anxious both as children and adults so like anything was scary to us and I think my mom just kind of wanted to like limit the amount of like terrified screaming that could happen in the house (laughs) like we were big big Halloween people 
like to this day, I still buy like the same vintage style decorations my mom put up and like have orange and purple lights all in my windows, just like we did. And like we were super big on trick or treating. So it wasn't like a weird like cultural or religious thing. I think it was just like being scared is too annoying (laughs) for a parent. Like children, scared children is annoying for a parent. But that wasn't to say that like we didn't sneak it. Like I think AMC would do like the 31 days of Halloween and like play all the, you know, big horror movies. And I remember watching like, you know, the TV version of Halloween and liking it, but also being scared of it. And my sister and I had these friends up the street and it was like a, you know, very beautifully wooded street, lots of trees. And when we would be walking home, like no matter the time of year, one of us would just like whisper like, Michael Myers. And like, (laughs) that was enough to immediately in our minds, like a man was behind, like coming behind a tree, just like the hedge and like, we're dead. And then we would both just start running. And like, no matter who started it, the running would scare the other one. Like we were just constantly scaring each other until we got home. And I don't know, I think like, that was fun. And obviously, like being big Halloween people, there is an element of I don't know. There's an element of horror there, you know, being like scared and spooky and the veil being lifted. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's just easier to not have children be scared. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. You want to limit the stimuli and yeah. uh, you know, save yourself some work. I, I respect that. I get that. <laughs> yeah. Were you like a big horror kid or was it more in your adulthood? I was actually. My grandpa had a video store when I was little. And so I was kind of uh, more of a free range child and just would like get to watch whatever I wanted in the back room. And like he it was like the days of the big VHS boxes. So like everything horror was totally tantalizing to me. And I'd always look for like the smuttiest, scariest, (laughs) you know, like all the things I should not be watching. And oh, I loved it. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So you grew up in Philly. Yeah, I mean, this is like something my boyfriend always makes fun of me for. I grew up just outside of Philly for any Philly listeners, because if I say Bucks County, everyone's going to jump on me and say that's not Philadelphia. And it is not. But I did a lot of comedy in Philly. That's like where I you know, came up doing it. Um, but yeah, it was a, it's an interesting place. The lower Bucks County region uh, comes with its own, uh, you know, cast of characters. Hillbilly culture is really big for some reason. You know, like people love, they love being white there. They love uh, Trump there. <laughs> it's really weird. There's also like blue pockets. Uh, it's very odd. Um, you know, there's heroin epidemic kind of coming up through there. It's like a weird mix of like, like low income, middle class type of people. Um, so it's like very interesting. It's a interesting place. <laughs> I live in Wisconsin, so I wouldn't know about any of that. <laughs> I do kind of feel like you kind of summed up the whole country. We've all, you know, there's all uh, pockets everywhere. Of, yeah. Um, and like, but- that's the thing. A lot of people there will like talk about L.A. And I'm like, right. But, like, I I feel like a lot of major cities are pretty similar. Like, sure, the personalities differ, but, like, California has, like, some really rural areas and some very uh, conservative areas, just like any other state, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I do love Philly. I love their park anywhere spirit. Um, Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, It's a very free-spirited vibe there. Um, My family uh, now lives in the Northeast and, you know, my parents are from the Northeast. So my grandma's still out there and driving, um, you know, everyone rags on Jersey drivers, which it's not without reason, you know, but uh, Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, they uh, as a whole really are creative with driving. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Have you gotten to go to uh, the, is it the Mütter Museum? Is that how it's pronounced? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually... I went there, I want to say it was like 2019. It was like the last time I went home before the pandemic. And we went, it was like springtime. So we went to the museum itself, which is like super interesting. Like it, I don't know. I had like a really interesting, like emotional reaction, I guess. Like it wasn't, it was just like a very... I don't know, like respectful place. Like I think a lot of people see it as like, oh, it's like the museum of death and it's like so metal and you're going to see like 
baby skeleton twins conjoined and like yes that's there but it is very I don't know I think it's curated in a very respectful way and a very educational and interesting way and because we went in the spring we got to go out into I think it's the College of Physicians that oversees the museum and they also have a poisonous garden So everything was in bloom and um, like a lot of their plants, um, you know, everything's like very beautiful, but it'll like tell you what it is and like what it does. And you're not supposed to touch anything. Mm -hmm. It's very cool. So cool. I went in the winter, so I didn't even know they had that. I will have to go back. Yeah. Well, now, of course, I'm like panicking and I'm like, was that the wrong name? I'm pretty sure that's what it was. Obviously, it's been a few years, but it was very cool. It's very beautiful, too. Yeah, I do love how it was such an educational feel to it, not just like you mentioned the Museum of Death, which I actually didn't like the Museum of Death. I found it to be a bit much. (laughs) Yeah, I've never been there. Like, I think it's an interesting line. Like, I'm I'm in like an interesting phase of my life where I'm learning more about like the death positivity movement and green burials and, you know, just kind of thanatology as a whole, all of those things. And I think, I don't know, I've never been there because I kind of got this weird, like, if you talk about being punk and like say you're punk and like anarchist, I feel like it always gives like a weird vibe and like you're not. You know what I mean? So if it's like, we're punk about death and we have like these serial killer like mementos, I don't know, it kind of feels like you're, instead of like discussing death and like, you know, obviously murder is an interesting subject that needs to be handled in a certain way, but I don't know, it was always just like kind of interesting, but a little off-putting. Like, Yeah, and the commodification of it is a little weird too. Yeah, it's just interesting (laughs) like Mm -hmm. i'm not sure not sure how i feel about it but like if you're marketing that like this whole discussion around like death and loss which is kind of what it boils down to like oh the biggest grown men come in here and like throw up and pass out i don't know if maybe that's how you should be handling discussions around like people who lost their lives you know not saying that everything has to be handled like with kid gloves but Just consider, like, how we're talking about people coming into and passing through the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Seems seems reasonable and rational. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Well, on that note, uh, Shannon, for us to talk about tonight, has chosen the 2010 film Tucker and Dale versus Evil. (laughs) And, you know, I was actually, like, thinking over, I was kind of surprised this one has not been chosen before because it is so fun. And it's actually, one of my favorites. Yeah, and thinking about it, you know, I remember this movie so fondly. Like, it didn't even kind of spark to me. Like, oh yeah, this is a horror movie. But Shannon, why did you choose this film? Well, I think it's um, for me. It's like a movie that I think is really uh, good to get people who are looking to get into horror. Like, it's a movie, a good movie to show them. You know, it um, of course, I was just like talking about, you know, how you handle conversations around death of real people. There's a lot of death in this movie and it mm-hmm. is all very fake. So, <laughs> um, I think it's just like so outrageous and so like over the top. And it's a, like there's always a big discussion in the horror world. Like, is it a horror comedy or is it a comedy horror? Like, oh, what does the movie, you know, and like. It's like, okay, yeah, I get it. I mean, it's like both. I feel like you don't have to prioritize the order of things. But if you're one of those people, I think this is definitely like a comedy horror. But yeah, it is just like so fun. I like having fun when I watch movies, uh, hence my upbringing and all of the comedy that I love. And it's just so big. Like the level of outrageous, like, I don't even really know what to call it. You just like kind of keep saying like, oh, come on. You know, like every time someone dies Um, for people who haven't seen it, essentially, like we start out, it's your stereotypical like teenager, like horny, uh, boozy, druggy, like we're going on a spring break cabin trip. And of course, they meet like Hicks and they, you know, the Hicks are scary. They stop at a gas station. They run into the Hicks. Everyone's like grossed out by them. And then it kind of turns and you're on the hillbilly side. And they're just like these two dudes who wanted to get a vacation house together and have fun and go fishing and just do like wholesome buddy things. And 
we then kind of see like these two different perspectives. Um, the college kids all think that the hillbillies have captured one of their friends and they're going to like torture and kill her. So they must save her by any means necessary. And the hillbillies are just like, these college kids are like really weird. I can't believe they abandoned their friend. And then all of the accidental deaths start happening. Um, you know, they are uh the one kid, I think the first death, um, the kid is like running away from a bee. He's allergic to bees and he impales himself on like a fallen tree. And then they are digging like a trench for like the outhouse. And a kid kind of goes to spear, I think it's Dale. Mm -hmm. And ends up falling into the pit and impaling himself. Another kid goes to stab Tucker. He runs straight headfirst into a wood chipper. Like these just really incredible outrageous things that are so, I don't know. They just like the first time I watched it caught me so off guard. Like everything was a surprise. And then once you kind of like get the game of things, you're in on it. And it's super fun, like, all right, like, how's the next kid going to die? And, like, what's going to happen next? And then, of course, like, the shittiest, like, horny teen of them all finds out he's, like, I think they call him, like, half hick or half hillbilly. Half hillbilly. Like, You're half hillbilly, Chad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, it's this horrible relation, which I thought was so funny. And, like, I don't know, if you want to come for, at it, like, from an intellectual standpoint, it is really interesting, like, looking at the socioeconomic differences and you know i think uh dale even said at one point like why were you worried about me when you saw me at the gas station why did you think i was gonna hurt you mm -hmm. and i thought you know it got kind of deep for the movie that it is you know yeah. i don't know i always think it's nice to have like a little lesson in your films especially horror comedies uh you know because it i think comedy audiences really you hit like such a wide group of people and uh, this might really be pushing it, but I always have these like high hopes that like maybe someone sees that and they're like, you know what? I am kind of a judgy bitch. I should probably pull back because it is shitty. It makes people feel shitty because I can see that it's the effect it's having on these characters in this movie. But again, it is a very big slapstick movie and it does really inspire me uh, to make my own like slapstick horror comedies, you know, because it is so big and so fun and it did inspire me a little bit for my short demon juice because i love it but there's not really like a ton of women at the forefront like you do have like the damsel in distress of course but like the two people who are really like going all out it's two guys and like that's great i love it it's one of my favorite movies but i wanted to see something with women at the forefront being gross and dumb and goofy and strong you know yeah and honestly i've never seen uh tit mata in a horror movie before <laughs> so that is an absolute first thank from you demon juice <laughs> yeah I, I totally see that. And, you know, when we were first talking in the beginning of this interview, I totally understand why you chose this movie, you know, um, like having experience with the Appalachian area as well, I think is is something that especially in the United States, you know, we characterize those people as hicks. But mm -hmm. in actuality, like you have Miles Horton, who was a really great socialist organizer back in the like 30s and 40s. And then like the civil rights movement was planned. Um, a lot of the actions were planned at the Highlander Folk Center, which is like in the Appalachian area. So like to just automatically say like these people are dumb hicks, you know, it really right. discredits a lot of our history. And, you know, I, I feel that as well. Like when the reversal happened and you saw that Tucker and Dale were just sweet guys who were kind of outdoorsy, like I was like, oh, those are my uncles. Like, you know, <laughs> right. And I think it's interesting, too, like even for the modern generation, like on TikTok and Instagram, there's I forget what he calls himself. It's like the redneck, I don't know, comedian or something. And he's like, I you know, he speaks with a very thick accent. He's like, I would normally be classified as like a hick or a hillbilly. We're not stupid. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like that's the stereotype. Like you could be a smart hillbilly. It just just because you have an accent or you're from a region doesn't make you less than. Um, and there's this other there's another woman, Chrissy Chalpaca. I don't really know how to pronounce her last name, but she her whole thing is all about being a bimbo. And she intentionally speaks at like a oh, higher pitch. Yeah. And she she's a Chicago lady, right? Yeah, yeah. I she do know of her. She's fun. I love her so much. She's so funny and so smart. And like, that's her whole thing is like, you can, bimbos aren't dumb. Like there are so many types of bimbos. There are so many types of hicks and hillbillies. And like, just because, you know, people try to characterize you as this one thing, you know, it doesn't mean that you should hide those qualities about yourself. If you like your accent, if you like dressing in all pink and glitter, if you like going hunting, whatever that is, You shouldn't, you know, hide these parts of yourself because you're concerned about what stereotype you're going to be shoved into. Exactly. Yeah. And likewise, I, um, you know, I grew up in Wisconsin and I moved to Chicago. Uh, My day job, I'm a union organizer, so I'm very far left. Cool. Thanks. And I was really disappointed to get to Chicago where it's supposed to be like uber liberal and then to find out like, oh, these are like everyone believes in neoconservative policies and privatization. And I was like, this is a lie. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a good thing you moved there. Yeah. Yeah. Good thing to move back. But it's funny how, you know, we (laughs) other each other based on where we live. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I mean, even for myself, like I was saying that my hometown like loves hillbilly culture and like they kind of like do in the stereotype way. It's like very interesting, like instead of kind of like taking on maybe their own identity, like there are a lot of people in Pennsylvania period. Like there's first of all, a ton of hate groups in Pennsylvania, um, but there are a lot of people who just like really think that they're good people that they don't have like biases or hate but they fly the confederate flag in their garage or off their truck and it's like but what do you think that stands for then and like why is that the thing that is like representative of who you feel you are you know because like that's why we fly flags because they represent us Mm -hmm. so i don't know it's like I say interesting so much. I'm going to say, like, if anyone wants to do a game, that's your drinking game. You might be dead by the end of the episode. But it is so interesting. Like, even pointing out in myself, like, how I label and bias people just because of, like, you know, I feel comfortable doing that because that's where I'm from. And again, I moved away. So maybe I think I'm better than that. And like, but that's also kind of like the Northeast uh, attitude is like, oh, you think you're better than me? (laughs) You know, (laughs) gently poke someone in the shoulder while you say it. (laughs) Right. What are you? What are you better than me? Why? And I'd even gone back to visit my sister a couple years ago and she'd been introducing me to her next door neighbor. And my sister said, this is my sister, Shannon. She's from here visiting from California. And the neighbor uh, immediately said, "Uh, what are you doing here? Or like, she was like, what did you come here for? (laughs) And that was just her, like, I don't know, kind of acknowledging, I guess, maybe how she feels about our town and what she thinks California is and what a person from California might think about it. Yeah, I mean, like, there's judgment to be had of everyone's own hometown, but I was just a visiting family. Of course, I'm going to come back. And even if... I didn't have family there. I'd be interested, like, if I don't know, is there an only child out there who's, like, orphaned and goes back to visit their hometown? I would assume so. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, you that. always visit your roots and, like, show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe we have a new thing on our hands, like, spooky, orf- adult, spooky adult orphan. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think there's something to be said that's a little bit deeper about Tucker, Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I might be the first or only person to say that. But I think it is, like, a very fun, extremely playful way of looking at how, like, judgment can completely fuck up your life. Like, these people are misunderstanding, not communicating, and passing judgment, and it's resulting in all of them being, like, horribly murdered on their mm-hmm. own. Like, their their own self-murder? Like, I don't really know how you would classify that, the, all these crazy accidental deaths. But it is, like, so fun and sweet, and, like, Tucker and Dale are so sweet, and, like, you kind of do just want to like go find those guys and have like a Miller light with them in the summer, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I especially love the portrayal of Tucker and Dale's friendship and how Tucker was continually trying to lift Dale up and make him feel his worth. Mm-hmm. I feel like you never see that in movies. Yeah, they had a very loving relationship, like even when, um, you know, things kind of start hitting the fan. And I think it's um, Dale who ends. Oh, no, it's Tucker who like gets all these bee stings in his face awesome. and he gets like a f- like fingers cut off and like all of these things keep happening, but they are still in it together and like they're still supporting each other. And I don't know. It's like it's very interesting. Like I did a rewatch um, earlier today to prepare for this. And there was like I'm assuming it was a gay joke like where um, in the beginning Tucker and Dale are driving down the road and one of them drops a beer can. And, like, they get pulled over because they have, like, an out light or something. And I think it's Dale who ends up, like, coming up with his shirt unbuttoned and it looks like he's coming up from Tucker's lap. Mm-hmm. But there wasn't, I don't know, there wasn't really anything said about it. Like, even the cop was like, well, you know, there's only, like, misery up on that mountain. He was more of, like, this harbinger of doom, like don't go down that road but nothing was ever really said about them being potentially in a romantic relationship there was like i don't know there was never really anything negatively mentioned about their relationship as a whole Mm -hmm. and even at the very end you know tucker's laid up in a hospital bed he's been put through absolute hell by the end of the movie and he's like did you ask that girl on a date you Mm -hmm. go like you can do this you are worthy and like there's still this like great like partnership of like two great buds, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I-, I think the only moment there was tension between the two of them is when Tucker found out Dale was lying about liking fishing. And that made <laughs> me laugh so hard because when I was little, my stepdad would take me ice fishing with him and he would always like shovel a little spot so I could ice skate while he fished. And it was very sweet, but we'd be out there for like seven hours. Oh, that's a lot for a little kid. <laughs> yeah. And then I'd be like, I want to go home and like to have to, it felt like I was breaking his heart by being like, I would like to go home now. <laughs> well, and I think that's kind of true for any relationship. Like if the person or people you care about most, don't like the thing that you're passionate about even if they're not like they don't intend to hurt your feelings it still stings you know Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's like that's super realistic of this very close very long friendship you find out someone's really just been doing something to make you happy like on one hand it is very sweet but on the other hand you kind of wish that they also liked it Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I thought, you know, that theme of friendship was so beautiful in the movie. And then I feel like the biggest theme is obviously don't judge a book by its cover. Mm -hmm. And I just love how the themes in this movie are so wholesome and kind of like what we're taught in kindergarten, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's, I don't know, it's kind of similar to Cabin in the Woods. Like, I feel like Cabin in the Woods now would be like, compared to this, it would be like elevated horror. Um, Mm -hmm. But Yeah, it's kind of just like turning things on its head, making things very surprising. And um, I don't know, just extremely fun. Yeah, I do feel like it's a little more organic than Cabin in the Woods. Like it's not quite so cheeky, uh, but it does have Mm -hmm. a lot of great horror homage in it. Like I think like right from the beginning, you have that run in with the locals followed by the um, obligatory gas station scene, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think my favorite homage in the whole movie is uh, when Tucker gets stung by the bees and then he is just <laughs> full out leather face, Texas chainsaw massacre, twirling it around. <laughs> yes. If I saw that, I would be scared too. <laughs> yeah, of course. And like, you know, there's even a part where they carve into a log, you know, they're looking. <laughs> To find all of the friends, they have the uh, girl who hit her head and they're like, well, we've got to go find her friends so they can like, you know, get her home and get her help. I'm going to leave them a note. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then the kids stumble upon the note and it's like carved into a log with an axe. We have your or like (laughs) we got your friend. And like, I don't know. It's all just so fun and funny. And like. You kind of you definitely see both sides because, like you said, if you saw that man like wielding a chainsaw like that, of course you would be horrified too. Yeah, <laughs> I would not stick around to ask questions. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, so the other very interesting character and, and really the villain, the evil in this movie is Chad and his toxic mm-hmm. masculinity and his rapey attitude towards Allie. Uh, I think like what I'm thinking of Chad overall, the theme is uh, we all become our parents. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's very fair. Um, and it is kind of, uh, I don't know. I feel like they kind of play with the tropes a little bit. Like he sees this entire scenario as an opportunity kind of to be a hero, but mostly to be able to murder someone yeah. without with like with reason, you know, it's almost like a kind of like a stand your ground type of person where he's like, finally, I've been like wanting to kill someone. But I was thinking that I, too. Now yes. I can't, I won't get in trouble. This is great. And then of course, you know, he's trying to use what he thinks are his like smarts to get his friends to safety. But really he's just like, he wants to be the hero and he also wants to harm. Like he wants what he would think is like the best of both worlds. Yeah, I definitely I got big Kyle Rittenhouse vibes from him. I was like, <laughs> yeah. oh, Chad's just a murderer. He's a dirty fucker. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I got to say, I think scene that made me most angry was Chad kip- kidnapping Jangers to try to like lure them out of the house. But you don't hurt a dog or an animal. Yeah, I have. I mean, they're like two of my rules when I'm watching horror is i i cannot do really any type of assault or rape that's not something i'm comfortable with or i you know i don't enjoy i don't get entertainment out of viewing that and any sort of like animal harm i don't get entertainment out of and so when they kidnap that dog and (laughs) they're like do not hurt my dog the Uh tears the fear i am a big animal person I did almost shut it off. Like, there have been times where I'm just like, oh, if they're going to hurt an animal, I'm no longer watching this. So for any does a dog die people, dog does not die. Dog is safe. Great. Perfect. Amazing. But I definitely took issue with that. And I think, too, it is such a silly movie that, like, you always want people to feel when you're creating a film, you know? And, of course, like, people are feeling. It's funny. It's haha it's a good time um you do feel a little bit of that like love the like platonic friend love between tucker and dale um but like feeling unsafe i think is definitely an element when you're talking about what is a horror movie and that did make me feel unsafe i was Mm -hmm. like i don't know what might happen next and i don't know if i'm going to want to continue watching this yeah which is kind of funny because at that point we've seen about six people die but you're right that is when (laughs) i felt unsafe yeah those are kind of all the themes that jumped out at me in the movie was there any theme that jumped out at you um yeah i mean like i said i think it's really nice to see that like positive male relationship that like you know a lot of people now are becoming more emotionally intelligent online at least and i think seeing like platonic male love is really nice mm-hmm. um and that like that mask they are very masculine like macho men they're like flannel wearing pickup truck having wood chopping dudes who are going out to fish and crush beers and like fix up this dilapidated cabin um, and so to see them be able to be soft with one another and soft with Allie is so sweet and refreshing, especially for a movie that was like made several teen years ago, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, I feel like that. I mean, that's kind of new for that time and even new for this time, you know, because like, I feel like even now in movies. If you're seeing like men be loving to one another, it's still done in a comedic way. And I feel like this is more like genuine. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing I've seen recently that kind of made me feel the same way was uh, the, 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 the new Nicolas Cage movie with Pedro Pascal. The... Oh, yes. The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was very yeah. sweet as well. I really didn't know what to expect from that one, and it truly was so nice. It was so funny and entertaining, but it was also just, like, nice. Yeah. I like nice things. Yeah. It's nice to watch nice movies. Agreed. 
So what were your favorite parts of this movie? Oh boy. I feel like, what is the quote? It's something like, all these kids just keep killing themselves. <laughs> like your friends must have some sort of suicide pact. Like Tucker and Dale fully being panicked that their property, their like brand new property that they just bought is now the site of some sort of like suicide cult is very <laughs> funny. Um, and cause like, yeah, what else would you think if you were in that situation? You'd be like, all these kids came here to kill themselves. I don't understand what's going on. Yeah. Well, um, that, that with the, um, the Memorial Day massacre, um, mm-hmm. anniversary, I would totally think that. Right. And like, you're super led into believing that like, yeah, these, there is like some sort of, uh, Michael Myers, it esque like villain who comes every X amount of years to reenact these murders or you know whatever happens and it did kind of turn out that way it seemed like it was maybe chad's fate to be some sort of psycho killer you know oh yeah yeah born for that role (laughs) yeah but i did i did also think it was was so funny that chad had asthma i have asthma and it's so funny that he was like yeah the like whatever component of chamomile tea activates my asthma so i can't have chamomile tea and that's like they use chamomile dust to like blow in his face and and, like get him out of their way and kind of like save the day and it's so specific that it's always it's it's always going to stand out to me yeah, that that whole scene was hilarious because, like, here's the one thing that will thwart the villain, and here's a newspaper clipping explaining his entire backstory. <laughs> that is some yeah. tidy writing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they don't shy away from, like, I think it's a little bit of satire, too, <laughs> and I think it's very fun. But what were your, are your favorite spots a little bit different? Oh, my gosh. Uh, I, I sound like a ghoul, but my favorite scenes are two of the death scenes. The first one, just uh, what's his name? Mike running so triumphantly with the knife, gonna st- stab Tucker, save his friend and just whoop right into the wood chipper. Like, yep. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like. Tucker's pulling on his legs like are you okay like no that (laughs) man is not okay (laughs) yeah I think that's one of my favorites too because like the you see the flip side as well the kids all think that he's like shoving his body into this wood chipper and I think too like you see that he's you see he's working at the wood chipper you kind of know what's going to happen but another part of your brain is like they're not gonna do that yeah they'd be sure enough He runs head freaking first into a wood chipper and they they're just like spewing blood and guts. I think one of like the blonde girls gets like dumped on with like yeah. the <laughs> deepest corn syrup, red blood and guts of her friend. <laughs> yeah. So there was that one. And then Chuck, who like very bravely grabs the gun from the police officer and is trying to, you know, shoot at Dale and Tucker. But then Dale is like, oh, you got to take the safety off, buddy. He the safety's on the, the side. Face. Yeah. <laughs> He's like looking at it like a dad trying to read like the instructions on the back of a remote, but like yeah. super just <laughs> flipping it around, like trying to figure it out and just blasts himself in the face. <laughs> oh, man. So that was great. And then I also really loved the flashback to the uh, Memorial Day massacre where they're mm-hmm. like, cool dancing in the woods to their music <laughs> and then mm-hmm. they come and change the music but one of the guys is like no this is this is okay this we can listen to this this is fine <laughs> like right before they're murdered uh. yeah and even that that kill is so funny too like we don't really see you know we see the murderer from the back he just kind of like comes up um almost it almost gave me like modern Zodiac killer vibes oh, where like, yeah. it's just this unknown killer who shows up to a bunch of teens partying um, and he ha- has a saw blade and that's it. And he just whips it right into like music nerds head, mm-hmm. like just like things that so unrealistic. It's funny. Like, I feel like that was super unrealistic. But yeah, I'm sure people have like tripped and fallen into wood chippers. Like, I'm sure that has oh, happened. Yeah. And like, 
you hear of people falling down and impaling themselves, like these horrible things that are kind of based in reality happening. But like, again, they're just like so unbelievable that every time it happens in that movie, it's surprising. Yeah. And I got to admit, the cop rolling up on two guys carrying half of a person. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That'd be real hard to explain, I think. Right. And like, I mean, the fact that he just like, I don't know. I mean, it might be a plot hole, I guess, but like he didn't call in for backup. Is the precinct that small? Like he is the the cop or, you know, like Mm -hmm. where did uh, where did all his buddies go? Yeah, he seemed relatively unfazed by everything happening around him. Yeah, I mean, you figure like someone comes running up to you covered in blood. You're like, "Mm, I probably need a second person for this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I did appreciate throughout the movie that like both parties, the college kids and Tucker and Dale were like, no, we don't call the cops. (laughs) Yeah, that is funny. Like, I wonder if it's like, you know, the small town vibe of like, you know, we're not calling the cops because we don't want them in our business and then kind of the same thing for the college kids because they have like weed on them and they're probably some of them are underage drinking Mm -hmm. yeah it's the universal that ties us all together (laughs) (laughs) yeah You know, it's so funny. I found this journal from like, I think I was like a 14 or 15 year old and I was planning on moving out and I had written for when I do get my own place, no college kids and no junkies. So that's my (laughs) my two no's. You were already like a 75 year old woman. (laughs) I was, yes. (laughs) So any final thoughts on uh, Tucker and Dale versus evil? I feel like it holds up in a rewatch. It's still very funny. It's still very enjoyable and entertaining. Um, I had actually showed it to one of my close friends like a year or two ago. And then like she immediately showed it to her sister. And like, I don't know. I feel like it's so much fun to watch with other people because even if you've already seen it, seeing the like disbelief of the your friend being like, well, they're they're not going to do this. Oh, okay, all of them are this dumb. This is great. Like everyone is dumb in a certain way and it is so fun. Watch with a friend, watch by yourself. I think it's still a great movie. What do you think? What are your final thoughts? Oh, I totally agree. Like for as many people who were murdered, it's really wholesome. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) It made me feel very good. uh, The final scene, you know, like, like normally I'm someone who does not root for a love story, but I really like Dale and Allie being together. Mm -hmm. you know, Allie having a partner that supports her dream of being a therapist and yeah, sees Dale for who he is. I thought it was really charming. I did too. Yeah, I loved it. Great watch. <laughs> so, Shan, I'm going to put the link for Demon Juice in the episode, but where can people learn more about the projects that you're working on or see your shows? Well, I have a website. It's my name, ShannonEbrown.com, and uh, you can see pretty much I link all of my um, shorts and sketches there, and then I really don't know what's the most reliable platform these days, but you can find me on Instagram at mm-hmm. Shannon E. Brown Film. Um, and I've been trying to keep up with, you know, sharing some behind the scenes stuff and some, you know, this is what it looked like in person. And this is what it looked like in the final short, uh, you know, kind of comparison videos, things like that, because I think it's very fun. And I think even myself as an independent filmmaker, it's always helpful and inspiring when I see other people doing that stuff. Oh, okay. I got to ask, what is your favorite like prosthetic kind of thing that you've made in one of your productions? (laughs) My, uh, I was very thankful to be able to start working with Little Shop of Gore. It's a husband and wife team, uh, Ryan Ward and uh, Selena Kyle. And they they do have a really great like merch store. So if you're looking for great spooky everything, check out their Instagram and their website. Um, but if you're ever looking to work with FX people, also hit them up. In Demon Juice, they did everything. Um, One of my favorite things was we made a leg of the um, actor Annalise so she could get stabbed in the ankle with like a real knife and we could make it bleed. Yeah, that was a fake leg. Um, and that was so cool to me. She took her leg home and like she I think she might still have it. So that was like so cool because I couldn't believe that they could do that like 
on my nothing budget and like make it look so realistic. Titmata, of course, because <laughs> it was just so silly. Like they, that was practical too. Um, we ran like tubing into a bra for our actor Maddie and they just like pumped it full of blood with the syringe. So like working with them is just so cool because you get to see like how people really like make real things. And then in my previous shorts, like before I was able to work with them, I would just like go to Halloween Town in Burbank and like because that's where they have a lot of um DIY prosthetics and fake blood and stuff like that. Um so I'd get like you know specific like mouth there's special blood for your mouth it's oh. edible I guess uh, so I'd get like mouth blood these things are called Tinsley transfers if anyone's doing like DIY stuff I think Ryan might actually use some of their stuff too but they're like pre-made um special effects Basically, they kind of work like um, temporary tattoos where you just kind of stick it on and then you like I would put like cover girl makeup on my friend's hand and like make it work, you know, so mm -hmm. I don't know. I still I'm very fond of those things because I was learning and figuring out how to do it on my own. But being able to like work with Ryan and Selena is just so cool to see them like do these really cool things. For overnights, I had them do some monster design and like they fully created a really gross, creepy monster. And like, I don't know, they're just so great at what they do. It's like super fun to me to work with them and see them do all that stuff. Nice. And when does overnight come out? Are you expecting? Um, I'm hoping to start submitting it to festivals in April. So I'm assuming, you know, depending on when the festivals start, hopefully sometime this summer or fall, but hopefully soon. And then I usually try to stay in the festival circuit for about a year before sharing it online. But oh, that's cool. I can keep you updated and keep keep updated on my Instagram on which festivals hopefully we get in and when those screenings are. Yeah. So this episode will come out mid towards the end of April. So people be on the lookout for overnight. Awesome. Also, uh, I just feel like I have to say it. You work with the Selena Kyle. What? Catwoman? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she is that cool. That she is truly cool. is. Um, but yeah, she's also like a killer artist and she designed a ton of like logos and art for me. Um, she did the Demon Juice bottle logo by hand. Oh, that was cool. Um, she does a ton of really cool stuff. Um, so follow both of them, support them however you can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the podcast tonight. Yeah, really yeah, thank appreciate you for having it. me. Yeah, it was really great to chat with you. That's been Shannon Brown. I've been Kristen Lady, and this has been Bloody Mary. Have a great night. Mm -hmm.